Hi, this is John from Prodigal Church. We want to thank you for listening to this week's teaching. The best way to watch and listen is through our Prodigal mobile app, available at your app store. We hope you are moved to love God and others in a greater way. Now, let's dive right into this week's teaching. A few years ago, when my wife was pregnant with our daughter, 39 weeks pregnant, I was like, babe, let me, you just relax here and um, I'll take Dex and we just go and order some pizza. And so Dex and I went on a mandate. And I called me and Ed's earlier and we got a large pepperoni and sausage pizza that was waiting for us. And so as soon as we walk into the restaurant, um, Dex sees the arcade in the back, right? And it's got this basketball game and it's got this race car game. He's like, dad, we have to go play. And I'm like, hey, let's eat our bites. And so we sit down and uh, Dex has one slice of pizza and I have three five and we finish our pizza and we head over to the arcade and the first one's the basketball game and so Dex is super stoked and I, I, he's three so I, I set him up on the machine and as he throws it you know he's not very close but I, I grab the ball and kind of throw it behind him and it goes in and he's celebrating and it's awesome. Then a worker shows up and he's like hey excuse me sir sorry but it's a liability issue we can't have him standing on the machine and I'm like you know what dude I get it okay no big deal so I pick him up put him down, and then we go to the race car machine. And as we head to the race car machine, uh, uh, we put the two quarters in. This one was two quarters, okay? Twice as expensive. And we put the two quarters in, and Dex has got his hands on the steering wheel and his hand on the stick shift because my three-year-old wants to drive a, a manual transmission, and nothing happens. And so I'm like, this, sometimes this happens, son. So you push to reject, right? You push the button that says push to reject, and quarters are supposed to come back out, and you try again to no avail. So I stick another quarter in, nothing happens. Now I'm 75 cents deep, okay? So immediately I kind of wave over to the guy and he walks up and I say, hey, uh, this thing ate uh, our quarters. It ate, it ate 75 cents. And, and he goes, oh, I'm so sorry. And then he immediately grabs a piece of paper, writes the words out of order on the paper, and then reaches over my three-year-old son and tapes it to the screen of the video game and then walks away. And Dex is like, Dad, what's, what's happening? And I'm like, Daddy will take care of this, son. And so I walk to the register, and I start with a question, and I say, excuse me, sir. Uh, after the first 15 minutes of a basketball game, uh, how much is left? And he said, three quarters. And I said, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you forgot to refund my 75 cents. And he says, well, I'm sorry, sir. Uh, you know, we're not responsible for those games. And I'm like, well, dude, they're in your restaurant. And he goes, I'm sorry, that's our policy. And I'm like, well, can I speak with the manager? And he says, I am the manager. And I'm like, of course you are. Of course you are the manager. And, uh, and I'm like, dude, you got to be able to, to take care of this. And he says, I'm sorry, sir. There's nothing we can do about it. And I'm like, it's, I know it's only 75 cents, but it's, it's a principle. And, it, this is our, and he's like, this is our policy. I'm like, man, what happens next? I'm not proud of. Um, so I look at him and I look at my son. I grab his hand and we start to walk out of the restaurant. And Dex says, dad, where are you going? Where are we going? Why are we leaving? And I said, son, because that man right there doesn't like children to have fun. And so then as we're walking out, he sees a group of guys who are watching a basketball game on the TV. And Dex says, that guy doesn't like to have fun. And I'm like, that's right, son. And we walk out of the restaurant. Completely ruined my night. Okay, I am a very flawed individual, if you haven't noticed that already. 
uh, this situation where I put something in there and something's supposed to happen, right? I do something and what was supposed to happen didn't happen. That is so frustrating. Uh, uh, can you guys relate, right? It throws everything off. You're, you work the hardest, someone else gets the promotion. You make the right choice, and instead of getting some blessing, you are faced with some consequences. And when nothing happens, you get discouraged, you get frustrated, and you just wasted time and energy because the big guy upstairs isn't really following through. He's not listening. Where is God in those moments? The disciples of Jesus experienced this as well. He was buried on a Sunday morning, and for his followers, there was mourning, there were doubts, there were questions of, did I just waste three years of my life? And then Sunday morning came, and some of Jesus' followers, who were women, came to anoint Jesus' body. And they go to the, the, to the place where he was buried, and the stone was rolled away. The tomb was empty, and the angels proclaim to the women that Jesus has risen. And so then they run to go tell the others, and that's where we pick up the story in Luke chapter 24. It says this, now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. The disciples here are walking away from Jerusalem on that very first Easter Sunday. And they walked away in brokenness. They walked away in disappointment. And they walked with pain. All of their hopes and dreams had been placed in Jesus. And he lost. The good guy lost. The bad guys won. Jesus was killed by the religious powers. And he was killed by the political powers. That Easter morning, these disciples are walking away with their hopes dashed. They were defeated. They were distressed. They were filled with doubt. They were filled with dismay. And yet, Jesus walks among them on this Emmaus road. When everything in their lives is going wrong, Jesus walks with them. The victory that they had longed for, the joy that they were seeking, walked beside them on that road. Now, I love this story. I love that they were walking. Okay, when I was in high school, I, I played football and I wasn't the, the, the biggest guy. And there were times, not that often, but sometimes when uh, I was tackled by some players who were significantly larger than me and it hurt. They, they crushed me. And I was, as I was on the ground after being crushed, looking for my mouthpiece and also my self-respect and pride, uh, I debated on staying down. I thought, maybe I'll just stay down for a bit longer. And then I would hear the coach say something like, Richardson, walk it off. And I'm like, walk it off? Or this happened in baseball as well, right? I'm in the batter's box and the fastball is coming in hot and it gets me right in the leg. And immediately when you're beamed by a pitch, the whole crowd, your team, the other team, everyone goes, ooh. And there's like this gasp. And then after the gasp dissipates, you can hear the coach say, walk it off, walk it off. And then you kind of walk to first base. Somehow, some way, that helped me 20 years ago. It helped me pick myself up off the grass and it helped me move to, towards first base. And walking it off helps me now and it may help you. And when I say walk it off, I mean that in three different levels. I mean it literally, I mean it metaphorically, and I mean it 
vicariously, right? Literally, in your trials, in your suffering, in your disappointments, walk it off. Go for a walk. Sometimes one of the best things that we can do for our heart is to walk. Walk it off. Walk it off. Walk it out. Walk it off. It it hurts, God. I'm frustrated. I need your help. Walk with me, God. Some of you are going through some stuff, some heavy things. Some of you couples are going through some difficulties in your relationship. Go on a walk. Go for a walk because our bodies and our spirits are connected. Walk it off. So I mean it literally. I also mean it metaphorically. Your relationship with God, it's a walk. The disciples on the road to Emmaus were walking in dejection and Jesus walked beside them and he walks beside us still. And finally, when I say walk it off, I mean it vicariously. Walk your relationship with God out by putting yourself in someone else's shoes. If you have a judgment towards someone or to a particular group of people, if you have bitterness towards someone, if you have enmity towards someone, put yourself in their shoes and walk it off. Literally, metaphorically, vicariously. I believe it was F.B. Meyer who said that when we see a brother or sister in sin, or when we have judgment towards them, there are three things that we don't know. First, we do not know how hard he or she tried not to sin. Second, we do not know the power or forces that assailed him or her or what they were going through. And three, we also do not know what we would have done in the same circumstances. Walk it off. We as Christians, as followers of Christ, should be the most loving and non-judgmental people in the world. And as we walk, as we walk it off, Jesus walks next to us in the midst of our pain, even in the midst of our own judgment towards others. So the disciples, they're walking the Emmaus road and Jesus walks among them and he asks the question, what are you guys talking about? I love Jesus here. He he shows up among them. They don't even recognize him. And he's like, so what are you guys talking about? In verse 18, we pick up the story. One of them named Cleopas asks him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? What things, he asked, about Jesus of Nazareth? They crucified him. We had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. These disciples, they're they're in disarray. They're walking away from the God that they thought they knew. We had hoped he was the one, but he was crucified. And then they say, to top it all off, this is the third day and his body's missing. You almost get a sense that the disciples are feeling sorry for themselves. They're like, of course, of course, as if him being crucified wasn't enough. As if me wasting three years of my life wasn't enough. Of course, someone stole his body too. Just my luck. They're feeling sorry for themselves. Have you ever been there? Are you there now? Listen, no one is better at feeling sorry for you than you. Okay, I know this from personal experience. I'm the best at it. Uh, Just spending time, wasting time, feeling like I haven't got what I deserve. My life shouldn't have gone this way. It's not my fault. We've all been there. Feeling sorry for yourself is natural. Feeling sorry for yourself is understandable. It's just not helpful. And in all of my years of ministry, I've noticed this, that the cure for self-loathing, for feeling sorry for yourself, is not about trying harder. It's about loving others. When we move our attention away from our own problems— and we are able to help and bless others whose problems 
are probably much larger than ours. We're the ones who are changed. It's like if you were stuck in a subway tunnel during a sudden blackout. You can respond to the fear of the darkness um, either by using the remaining battery that you have on your phone, by entertaining yourself just scrolling through TikTok. That might make your time in the darkness go by faster, but it certainly doesn't help anybody. Or you can use that phone as a light to see others around you. And maybe it'll even help you walk toward a light that is more reliable and more powerful than your own. And as we walk towards that light, we begin to see others. Not as distractions, but as people who are dearly loved by God. As we pursue God, as we walk it out, we grow. And if you encounter a Christian who has turned away from selfless acts, right? Con real concrete acts of love to bless people and traded that for a system of beliefs that makes them feel good about themselves, they may have seen the light, but they're misusing it. They're using it for themselves when it was meant to help us see others around us. They're scrolling TikTok instead of using the light to help bless others. So that's religious living. And Jesus calls us out of religious living and he calls us out of rebellious living. And so when you feel sorry for yourself and you are down on your luck and bad things keep happening to you and you're like, of course, I got a ticket. Of course, of course, I got COVID-19. Of course I did. Of course, my, my, my child is struggling. Of course. In those moments, know this, that the resurrected Christ walks with you. In your disappointments and in your sorrow, Jesus walks with you. Just like the disciples on the road, Jesus is walking with you in the middle of that difficult time, in that difficult season, in that difficult path, on that difficult road. God is always walking beside us, whether we know it or not. And so we move away from feeling sorry for ourselves and we begin to see our life as something that we create rather than something that happens to us. And maybe that's what God wants to say to you this Easter Sunday, that life is something that you get to create. It's not something that just happens to you. God is in the new creation business. If your story is heading in the wrong direction, write a different story. God gives us empty pages. And what will your story tell? Perhaps the Lord's calling you to, to write a new chapter, write a better story for your life. And it's going to be hard and it's going to be difficult and there's going to be lots of things to overcome, but that's how all the best stories are. Triumphing over the difficulties. Now, back to the Emmaus Road. Let's finish the story. He said to them, Jesus said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? I love that line. 
Did not our hearts burn within us as he talked with us along the road? As they walked, Jesus goes through the whole Hebrew Bible, shows them that the promised Messiah had to suffer. And the disciples, they're loving every word. But it's not until Jesus sat down with them, took bread, gave thanks, broke it, then their eyes were finally opened. It wasn't the Bible study. They were loving every second of that Bible study from Moses to the prophets. They were loving it. That's not what opened their eyes. What opened their eyes was this concrete expression of love, of Christ's body broken for them and sacrificed for them in the name of love. It took a sacrificial act in real life flesh and blood for their hearts to be awoken to the risen Christ who is always standing next to them. It wasn't the sermon that awoke them. It was practical love. When someone older that we love passes away, very often they have a will, right? And the will declares who gets what? Who gets the inheritance? And 2,000 years ago, in Christ, you were written into God's will. Because Jesus defeated death, you're in the will. God puts you in the will. And unlike a normal will, this one wasn't triggered by death. It was triggered by resurrection, right? In a normal will, the, the person has to die for the will to go into action. But no, not, not 2,000 years ago. No, it wasn't triggered by death. It was triggered by resurrection on Easter. In a normal will, there's often a fight. There's a conflict, right? Families fight and they argue about who gets what. You're going to be fighting with other people who are also in the will. But this will, this will inaugurated 2,000 years ago, it's different because it, is, it doesn't divide sons and daughters. It creates sons and daughters. We're, we're not driven away from family because of a will. We are driven towards a family. We are included in the family of God because of this will. And it gets even better. Like, like a normal will, like it's about belongings. Who gets what? What did I get? What did you get? It, it, this will, this will inaugurated on Easter Sunday 2,000 years ago. It's not about belongings. It's about belonging. It's about having a place where we belong. It's about having a relationship with a father that we can run to, who doesn't judge us, but loves us and died for us. With a normal will, sometimes you gotta, you gotta tiptoe around the person before they die. Right? You gotta make sure you stay in their good graces because if you cross them, you can get written out of the will. But in Christ, we don't worry about that. Because when we were at our worst, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus wrote us into the will. He was already, he's already seen you at your worst. And he loves you still. He wrote you into his will. And there is an inheritance. And we are his heirs in Christ. Where there's a will, there's a way, and the way is Jesus. And he walks beside us along the way. When we walk in dismay, when Jesus walks with us. When we feel sorry for ourselves, Jesus walks with us. When we think we're not worthy, Jesus walks with us. May we, like Jesus, reveal the love of God, not by our words, not by our sermons, but by sacrificial action. And that is the hope of Easter. God, I pray in Jesus' name that we begin to grasp how deep and how wide and how vast your love is for every one of us. Thank you for that, God. Jesus, thank you for your sacrificial act, your body broken for us, your blood shed for us. 
And so God, may we go and live a life of love, of sacrificial action to others. In Jesus' name, amen.